Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This week's episode of Book Cheat is brought to you by Audible. Visit audible.com slash bookcheat or text bookcheat to 500-500. Hello and welcome to Book Cheat, the book club podcast where I've read the book so you don't have to. My name is Dave Warnicke and on each episode of this show we look at one of the classics. And joining me to look at such a classic this week, it's Michelle Brazier and Jess Perkins. Hello. Woohoo. Yeehaw. Welcome. Welcome everyone to my podcast, <laughs> Cheat Book. Hang on a second. <laughs> <laughs> are you cheating you cheating on my podcast yeah yeah big time but what do you i think that would be the only that'll be the only thing that could um bring our friendship down i feel dave is if it'd be podcast related i'm sure of it <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i'll support you in anything as long as you don't fuck over my podcast <laughs> as long as you don't come for my audience I will, I will fucking kill you. What, what would cheat book be about? Just in case it makes this show better, and I'll do that. It's a bit like um, in Mean Girls, the Burn book. <laughs> the cheat book is just a book where we catalogue cheats for The Sims, <laughs> like Rosebud, <laughs> Motherload, um, BB dot Move Object. <laughs> you know, well, I've uh, never played The Sims. You simply oh you must. What okay. what happened when you type <laughs> Rosebud? What did that do? I don't remember typing that in. What do you get? Rosebud gives you a thousand simoleons. Oh, okay. Michelle, oh. is this making any sense? Okay. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. Dollars. Not. Dollars. Oh, okay. I was I was I thought simoleons were mm. was like a race of people <laughs> and then like you would get thousand of them yeah thousand of them in one house and you gotta feed them you gotta feed a thousand people <laughs> look at all those little simoleons getting around you know in the house uh, Michelle, in the pool you sound in the so ignorant right now i am ignorant i don't i'm i'm a fucking jock i'm not a nerd i don't play, <laughs> I don't play games <laughs> Damn it, she got me. Well, uh, <laughs> welcome, uh, nerd and jock, to my book podcast. One of you will fit in quite well here. <laughs> uh, so we are still in lockdown. I'm interested to know, have, I always ask the guests if they've been reading anything. Has there been any reading time in lockdown? Or is your mind so mush right now that it's difficult to take on new information? <laughs> I've been reading. I've been reading um, A Utopia for Realists by Rutger Bregman. And I've also been reading oh. uh, the subtitles as I uh, blow dry my hair and it, it's too loud for me to hear the episodes <laughs> of Desperate Housewives. I've been reading those as well. And uh, of the two, which would you more recommend to the audience? Oh, l- listen, it is just in terms of like 
capitalism and looking at the way the world is and really trying to come at it with like a, okay, what can we do about this? What would a perfect world be? I really think you do all need to watch Desperate Housewives. I think it's very important. <laughs> it's a classic fake out, toot toot. Yeah. <laughs> we'll put on the wood. <laughs> toot toot. <laughs> it's my new catchphrase. Oh, it's going well. How, how about you, JP? Is there any, anything on the shelf? Um, it's uh, perfect timing that you ask, actually, because I'm just going to show you. This is my progress journal um, oh. that I bought the other day. I'm, I'm spending a lot of money on things I see on the internet um, <laughs> because I just need little boosts of serotonin. And I promise this is related to your question because basically you set yourself goals, long-term goals, and then you kind of like track every day like what you're doing towards those goals. And one of the things I was trying to do is like – tap more into creativity because I feel like I've lost all creativity in the past two years of not leaving my house and not um, writing anything or doing anything. Um, So I'm trying to read more and I currently am reading a book that has been sitting on my bedside table for a while, not for lack of interest. It's very, very good and very funny. And it's actually written by um, someone I went to school with Um, who's a great writer and her name is Sinead Stubbins and her first book came out this year. It's called In My Defense, I Have No Defense and (laughs) it's really, really funny and it's, yeah, it's a good title. She's a a really witty writer. Like she does a lot of comedy writing now for, um, I see her around the ABC a little bit and she's just great. So it's been nice to like get back into that because it's been sitting on my bedside table for a while. When I started it, I was like, so funny. And then I just don't make time to read. So now I'm trying to. Every day, if I can. I bought a chair to read in and that made me read. I think that's genuinely part of the problem is that I don't have anywhere comfortable to read. Yeah, you need a space. So I got like, because I love shopping for vintage furniture. That's my thing that I do when I'm in lockdown and cannot afford it. I'll go (laughs) online and I'll be like, I'll just swipe that up. So I got like this beautiful chaise lounge and I put it, it's right in this gorgeous sun in the window of our new place and I sit there with the dog and I read my little book and it's lovely oh that's nice yeah I think mm. I need a better place to read because our couch is very uncomfortable there's a chair that you might be able to see behind me here but that has been claimed by the dog <laughs> mm. um so it is it has been chewed up the the <laughs> arms of it are destroyed it's covered in dog hair and the remains of the arms um, so it's not the most comfortable place to, to sit no. and read. I, mean, I need a chair. Come on, Jess. Was that really the dog? Let's be honest. <laughs> I was bored and I wanted to see how tough my teeth are. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty tough. Seems like. Pretty tough. <laughs> yeah. My dentist oh, cool. is really mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> worth it. That sounds worth it to me. Yeah. yeah pretty good. Yeah. Hey, would I uh, blow everyone's minds if I told you that I've also been reading something lately? Whoa! Whoa. Sorry for not reading, for not asking. <laughs> yeah, that was rude of us. No, no, that's okay. But we don't care. People rarely, people rarely <laughs> yeah. ask or rarely care. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Sorry. <laughs> now, I've given you about two minutes each to tell me about what you're reading. Would you give me an hour to tell you about what I'm reading? Because that's kind of what I've got planned. Uh, yeah, I reckon. I've got the time. I have to go. <laughs> yeah, now go on. I, w- I will play the role of Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been reading um, a book that 
It's been on the list for a long, long time. It is a, a classics classic, and that is I've been reading Jane Eyre. Oh, congratulations. Mm. How heard, interesting. Heard of this? Yeah. Heard of it? <laughs> the Bronte sisters. That's right. This one is uh, Charlotte Bronte, the oldest of the three, and her most famous. Charlotte Bronte. Because they're from, like, it, wait, no. Hang on. They grew up. Yep. And the accent is... Hang on, I'll tell you later when I think of it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm only looking forward to hearing what. (laughs) It's the same as um, Mrs. Medlock from The Secret Garden, isn't it? They're from up there. Like Yorkshire. Mary Lennox, what have you done? It's not Yorkshire. It's it's near Yorkshire, but it's not. It's not important. This isn't important. I just wanted to show off that I can do the accent, but I've forgotten what the accent's called. So I won't be doing it. So that's your loss, okay? Damn. Yeah, hey, that is our loss. There's always next time because there is a third sister I'm yet to cover, so I'll get you back. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> Who's the third one? Charlotte, Emily? And Sa- Sabrina. <laughs> yeah, Sabrina. That's right. Uh, <laughs> some people call her Anne, but they are wrong. They are wrong. Shakira. Oh. <laughs> it's Sabrina, yeah. <laughs> Sabrina, Shakira and Bronte. <laughs> Yeah. Poor old. Yeah. She can't. The, she is the third sister. Sadly, she is the Michelle Williams of the Bronte sisters. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I will still get to her one day. Uh, now, people suggest that I do these books, and this one, not surprisingly, has been suggested by quite a few people because it's quite a famous one. And usually, I read out where people are from as well, but that will take the whole podcast. So these people are from all over the world. We've got people from Seoul in South Korea. We've got Ireland. Kansas City, even Northcote. Can you believe that is on this? So thanks to all these beautiful Wow, Northcote. Yeah, that's wow. it. That's that's the accent I was trying to think of. It's Northcote. Northcote. No, it is Yorkshire. I've realised it is. Yeah, so we'll move on from that. So are, are we still going to hear it later on or not? No. Okay. No. <laughs> it's just good to know where, you know, what to expect, you know. Set the bar. So thanks for that. Yeah. Well, I'm not working for free, so no. <laughs> I'm a trained actress. I won't be doing it for free. Absolutely fair yeah. enough. Uh, so a big shout out to these people that suggested uh, that I do Jane Eyre. That's Marty Grievous, Sophie, that's the Northcote one, Johnny Dawson, Miriam White, Ben Myers, Christy Palmer, Sean, Simon, Johnny Dawson, Lauren Roselle, Sahara B, Tony Daly, Twice, Manda, Rebecca Spellman, <laughs> Juliet, Tabitha Post, Kiana Jackson, and Jenna Schaefer. Thank you so much. Tony wow. Daly. Uh, Tony Daly asked you twice. <laughs> yeah. He really want, He really. <laughs> Dear really <wanted>. Dave, <laughs> as per my last email, <laughs> I really must insist. Hi, Dave. Just checking in on the above. <laughs> Hi, Dave. Just, just wanted to circle up. back to this one. <laughs> yeah. If we could action this, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I'm only doing it because the last email got a little threatening. So just in case, I thought I'd tick yeah. this one off. <laughs> so Tony thinks so. Probably for the best. Uh, so Jane Eyre, it's a novel by English author Charlotte Bronte, as we've talked about. The oldest of the three Bronte sisters, along with Emily and Anne, all wrote novels now considered classics of English literature. I've previously done Emily's Wuthering Heights, and one day Anne will get her time to shine when I do The Tenant of Wildfell Hall. Wildfell Hall, can't even say it right. Uh, this was Charlotte's second novel, first published in 1847, first called Jane Eyre, an autobiography. 
Britannica, mm. yeah, this was quite nice. Pretending to be like a real, a real uh, autobiography from a real person, yeah. which I love. A Britannica writes, uh, widely considered a classic, it gave new truthfulness to the Victorian novel with its realistic portrayal of the inner life of a woman, noting her struggles with her natural desires and social condition. So you love, Dave, that it was originally titled as an autobiography, even though it's not. You love that. Yeah. You love the lie. I love you? when people lie. <laughs> when people is it lie. written in first person? Yes, it is. It's someone recalling their life to you. Hmm. I love that. Which is very, very cool. That's nice. That's, that's nice for me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm in a bit of a mood. <laughs> <laughs> that's nice for me. <laughs> well, other people also found it nice immediately. It was an immediate success and flipped the script on prose fiction, being the first to focus on its protagonist's moral and spiritual development through an intimate first-person narrative. Widely considered to be one of the first feminist novels, although, of course, people debate this, uh, Charlotte Bronte died in 1855, and despite being only 38, she had outlived both of her younger sisters, so they all died very young. Oh, wow. That is sad. Have you, heard, that. Have, you, have you guys heard that Bronte Burgers sketch? That's by, I can't remember the name of the comedian, but she's, she's playing this tour guide that's showing you through the Bronte household. And she's talking about the father. And she's like, and I can still imagine him here with his slippers on, dying. <laughs> it's, really, it's really funny. It's really good. But I can't remember it. I can't remember who, she's a classic too, but I can't remember her name. Continue, that's what? What's so in the book, funny. Dave? Shut up. <laughs> Oh, she is in a mood. <laughs> but that, it, it does sound very funny. All right. All right. Let, That's so good. Let me hit you with the opening line. This is how it all begins. All right. There was no possibility of taking a walk that day. We had been wandering indeed in the leafless shrubbery an hour in the morning. But since dinner, Mrs. Reed, when there was no company, dined early. The cold winter wind had brought with it clouds so sombre and a rain so penetrating that further outdoor exercise was now out of the question. And we're I'm off. I'm sorry, that's the opening sentence. Well, opening <laughs> line. Was that one sentence, though? Uh, I believe it is technically two, Jess. Well spotted. Okay. Do you want okay. gold star for you? Still a lot. Still a lot. <laughs> the comedian is called Victoria Wood. Victoria Wood. So that was a um, that was a uh, there was a lot in that opening line. Yeah, a lot going on. A lot going on. Also hard to follow. Mm. Okay, so basically, yes. it's uh, we've just met our main character Jane Eyre, who's telling it. She's reflecting on a certain day, saying, "Did we?" Doesn't feel like mm. we did. Oh yeah. She wasn't like, "Hello, I'm Jane Eyre, and <laughs> what will follow will be my retelling of my life." That's how we would have met Jane Eyre, Dave. Yeah. Dear Diary, it's me, Jane Eyre. <laughs> Jane Eyre. <laughs> but that's what's so good about Charlotte Bronte's work. She she brings you in. She just starts. Bang, we're in. It's me, Jane. From yeah, Jane I love people who just start talking midway through a sentence and a thought. Love that. Not confusing <laughs> at all. I love to bully the Bronte sisters. <laughs> yeah. try, try again. <laughs> nice try. So-called yeah. classic. Great. All right. Um, anyway, I've, you've clearly uh, sent this to me, the editor, without the first three or four pages. Sorry, I'm confused. 
<laughs> so that's very unprofessional. <laughs> no, we've just met. That is Jane Eyre. She is our main character, a storyteller. She reflects on her life starting at 10 years old. She's 10 years old when this starts. Uh, Jane Eyre is a famous example of a building, a buildings Roman, a literary genre that focuses on the psychological and moral growth of the protagonist from youth to adulthood, a real coming-of-age story. Right. What's it called, sorry? Bildungsroman. It comes from the German word Bildung, which means uh, education, and Roman, which means novel. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, this is one of the more famous examples. Shut up, you didn't know (laughs) shit. (laughs) (laughs) she's just sitting back in her chair or casual yeah i knew that i saw your face go puzzled next the same time jess and i both looked at each other and went are we gonna let him get away with this he's making up words again (laughs) yeah we both just went all right we'll leave it Uh, when the novel opens, Jane is a 10-year-old orphan who lives at Gateshead, a mansion owned by her wealthy aunt, Aunt Reed. Jane's parents both died of typhus some years earlier, and she's come to live with her mother's brother. But her uncle, who was a super nice guy and who liked Jane, he's since died as well. And despite it being his dying wish that his wife, Aunt Reed, take care of Jane as her own daughter... Jane is very much at the mercy of her evil Aunt Reed, who actively dislikes and treats Jane terribly, all whilst praising and loving her own children, John, Georgiana, and Eliza. Oh, no. So she's really mean to her, really mean. Aww. To the point that she's forbidden her own children to play with Jane, which Jane is actually okay with because John is older than her and a terrible bully and constantly abuses her. So she's like, yeah, I don't want to talk to you either. Leave me alone. This sounds this sounds like Jane's hot and the auntie's jealous, no offense. Yeah. Getting some big Cinderella vibes here. <laughs> yeah. Huge Cinderella vibes. Yeah. From this this bitch. Now one day when quietly reading a book on birds, as you do, uh Jane's just sitting there and John abuses her for being a scab on his family and throws a book at her head, mm. causing it to bleed. The book? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's bleeding ink. Uh, Jane is no pushover and she explodes in rage and attacks John, which of course results in Jane, not John, being punished, despite the fact that he very clearly started. Of course. Yeah, of course. Wait, okay, so wait. So a man is very mean to the woman. Woman finally retaliates. The woman gets trouble. Correct. Yep. Oh, I never heard, never <laughs> heard that before. Bloody tell you what. Lucky that doesn't happen these days. Just joking. Happens <laughs> 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 all the time. Happens all the time. Every day. <laughs> oh, no worries. No worries. <laughs> uh, well, despite her terror, Jane is punished by being locked in the house in the in the in that so the room in the house known as the red room, which is the bedroom where her uncle died. Mm. She's really- no, the red room, I think, is from um, Fifty Shades of Grey. I think you're getting confused. Yeah. Very different rooms. <laughs> Just different rooms. Are yeah. they? Sorry, Dave. Yeah. To- well, these books, oh, I think, are I in the same so. series, but I think Fifty Shades comes after. Mm. <laughs> or maybe it was a prequel. It's unclear. Yeah. yeah. 
It's always been confusing, hasn't it? Yeah, it's like, is this before Jane was bullied by the other kids or after? Yeah. It's really hard to tell. Whenever I'm reading my favourite books, <laughs> the Fifty Shades series. Love them. Great books, even better movies, am I right? Yeah. Just me? Pro- right. Probably, yeah, I reckon. <laughs> well... It's a freaky room because that's where her uncle died and uh, Jane thinks she sees his ghost and has a panic attack in there and screams out, but her aunt, the evil one, ignores her. And the next oh. day, she comes to and an apothecary called Mr. Lloyd has been called out and he's pretty kind to her and asks if she would like to go to school and leave Gateshead, the mansion where she lives. And she's basically, basically like, anything to get me away from here. Yes, I will go anywhere. Mm. And he says, yeah. all right, I'll speak to your aunt about it. And she's happy about the possibility of leaving. Um, I will say the whole start of the book is quite tragic. <laughs> so it's quite, quite grim up to this oh. point. But apart from the apothecary, Lloyd, the only one who's nice to Jane at Gateshead is Bessie, her nursemaid, who sings songs and oh. mostly feels sorry for Jane, but has also got a quick temper and frequently tells her off. But Jane doesn't realise that Bessie, Bessie is more fond of Jane than the other rich kids, but, but Jane doesn't appreciate that until she gets older. Yeah, oh, always the way. You know what I mean? Bessie you never like appreciate cool. your nursemaid until, <laughs> you know, you're in your 20s. <laughs> That's what they say. When you're nearly dead in your 20s. Yeah, then you say, oh, bloody hell, that nursemaid was all right. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, she died 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, crap. Anyway, off I go to death. <laughs> <laughs> it's everyone, Here I go. Everyone's final thought on their deathbed is about their nursemaid. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Obviously. Can't wait. Everyone knows. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so a couple of months go past and Jane wonders if she'll ever get to leave after all, if this school thing is ever going to happen. And finally, she's introduced to the benefactor of a local boarding school, a man named Mr. Brocklehurst. <laughs> That's a pretty good name. <laughs> Bit suspicious, but... Pretty good. Brocklehurst. Mm, what do you think? Good guy, bad guy, Jess? Guess. Good, because his name sounds like broccoli, which is a vegetable, which is good for you. Oh. So I think, great guy. I'm afraid you'd be incorrect. Fuck! <laughs> I knew. I knew. He's a uh, <laughs> uh, Brocklehurst, more like Brocklehurts. All right, anyway. Uh, a, very, a very stern and religious man. He terrifies Jane when she's summoned to his presence. He asks if she's a good child. Before she can ask, her aunt, her aunt jumps in and says, yeah, perhaps the less said on that subject, the better, Mr. Brocklehurst. And she paints Jane as a deceitful... She's a real piece of <laughs> yeah, shit, Mr. Brocklehurst. Says, she, says, <laughs> she says she's deceitful. And you'll have to keep an eye on this one, which really upsets Jane because oh. she's like, I'm not a bad kid at all. Oh, Jane. How old is Jane at this point? She's 10 years old. Oh, Jesus Louises. That's tough stuff. Yeah. And Jane... Also, it's too late. I was in year four by then. Come on. Go to school. Yeah. No offense. Yeah. Well, Jane is is pissed off. And as we know, she has her breaking point. And this is her breaking point with her aunt by her telling this, this man who could be the ticket out of here that she's a liar. So she confronts her hmm. aunt and she says, I am not deceitful. If I were, I should say I loved you. But I declare I do not love you. <gasps> I dislike you the worst of anybody in the world except John Reed, which is the son. And this book about the liar 
you may not give to your girl Georgiana, for it is she who tells lies and not I. Speaking about the Bible there. Ooh. Brutal. Oh, Bible. Slaps it down. Ten years old, she just cuts this woman down. <laughs> and answers, yes. have you got anything else to say? And she says, I am glad you are no relation of mine. I will never call you aunt again as long as I live. I'll never come to visit you when I am grown up. And if anyone asks me how I liked you and how you treated me, I will say the very thought of you makes me sick. Oh, oh so good. <laughs> also, you have not guaranteed yourself a ticket out of that house with your aunt. <laughs> that is my concern as so well. So you are being quite bold here. <laughs> and it is so badass that uh, Aunt Reed, who usually has the last word, doesn't even retaliate. She just lets Jane go. So Jane absolutely wins this round. All That's right, great. Jane. And uh, the next day, Jane is ferried off to Lowood, the boarding school. And she's asked if she'd like to say goodbye to her aunt. And she says, no, thanks. She just gets in the, ca- in the <laughs> car, basically throws a grenade behind her and just keeps walking. All right, Jane. Hell yeah. yeah. Very badass. Uh, and it's a long journey by coach to get there, but she's hopeful about getting away from the evil Reed family. She gets to a new home, which is a charity school maintained for female orphans. There's girls that are younger than Jane, but also much older, right up until about 20. And the principal of the school is Miss Temple, and she is very kind, which is very nice. Oh, Finally a kind person. That is Finally. nice. <laughs> but not all the teachers are, especially one who continually punishes a girl named Helen Burns. Uh, Jane. Snape. Is this Snape? It's basically a Snape. Yeah, Snape type. <laughs> yeah, real Snape mm-hmm. type. Probably Snape's dad or something. Yeah, yeah, probably Snape's, Snape's mum dad. or dad. Yeah. Daddy Snape. Mr. Snape was my father. Papa Snape. <laughs> uh, Jane mostly keeps to herself and doesn't speak to anyone, but she does strike up a friendship with this girl called Helen, who's always being yelled at. One thing she can't understand is why Helen takes the teacher's punishment and a verbal abuse and doesn't ever stand up for herself. Helen, who is a bit older, tells Jane that she's got a lot to learn. Helen is very religious and tells Jane, it is weak and silly to say you cannot bear what is your fate to be required to bear. So she takes solace in that. No. It's confusing. She's convoluted. They're probably yelling at her because her grasp of English is a bit, she's just a bit wordy. (laughs) Yeah. Her comprehension's not great. No, she could be clearer with her sentences. It's really just, you know, she just needs to learn to kill her darlings and get straight Mm. to the point. Yeah. She will not be edited. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, Helen, I mean, it's our job to educate, Dahl, but if you're not going to take that feedback, if you're not going to take that education, well, I guess you're just going to be here at this school until you're 20, and then you'll be dead. <laughs> and then you'll die, and you'll be like, I wish I listened to my nursemaid. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's final thought. <laughs> <laughs> Tale well, as old as time <laughs> Well the girls have a lot to put up with at Lowood The school is paid for by Mr Brocklehurst That uh, pretty uh, scary dude from before But he's very tight And the girls are underfed Have to walk through the, s- the snow Many miles to church And have meagre supplies to-, to deal with And when Mrs Temple just Attempts to feed them extra food one morning When their porridge is so burnt They can't eat it Mr. Brocklehurst tells her that going without will teach the girls to become good Christians. So, yeah, he's, uh, he's pretty awful. Uh, well, Christianity, sucks. from my understanding, very much about 
going without. Yeah. You're always going on about it. It's always <laughs> just skip the burnt porridge. That's what it's about. Yeah. <laughs> they say that that's what Lent is for a few weeks. You don't have any burnt porridge, I think. Yeah. 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 That's what it is. You give up burnt porridge for Lent. Mm, well, I've always done it. <laughs> I, I've continued Lent throughout my entire life, actually. I just am in a constant uh, state of giving up burnt porridge. Oh, Me too. How do you do it? For the Lord. How do you do it? Well, it's for the Lord, Dave. You get yeah. up in the morning, you burn the porridge, you put it in the bin. It's just how you and do you it. Say, it's just part of your that's, routine. That's for you, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> None for me, some for Jesus. <laughs> I assume Jesus is in my bin. He is omnipresent <laughs> after all. <laughs> Jesus is in my bin. Jesus is in yours too. Jesus is in the bins of the world. Anyway. Write that down. I will write that down. It's a great idea for a tune. <laughs> I think that's that's good enough to be the title track of your next show. Jesus is in the bin. Yeah, I guess so. They want a co-writing credit in um, in all (laughs) your your accepted speeches for the many awards you'll win. (laughs) I'd like recognition. (laughs) One of the earliest shows I ever did was called um, The Higher the Hair, The Closer to God. And it Mm. was a two-person show where me and a guy who played my dad... Um, were like it was like a religious sermon and then um, at the end he was my dad and at the end we made out that <laughs> was the show and we did a uh, I did a cover of let's get physical uh, let's get spiritual and it was like yeah. let me hear you speak in tongues, <laughs> speak in tongues. and then he would go shalabada <laughs> karapadapadapadap I was about 22, and I reckon it was. Oh, that's <laughs> a good real show. Good stuff, good stuff. Bring it back. It's high concept, high concept for 22, you know? <laughs> it was high concept, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, with the incest and that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, well, one day this old. This old dog, Brocklehurst, visits the school and <laughs> he singles out Jane in front of the whole school assembly and makes her stand on a stool in front of everyone while he tells them that he has heard this little girl is a liar and basically the devil <gasps> incarnate and forbids all the other what? children from speaking to her lest they also get infected by the devil. What? Why do they keep doing this to her? Yeah. They just keep isolating her. And Jane is, oh, it's awful. Jane is devastated, but she holds her nerve with silent encouragement from her friend Helen, who, who looks on. Oh, Helen, fuck off. <laughs> Speak up for yourself, Jane. Uh, Jane is especially upset because she felt like she was just about to fit in, but now everyone will shun her. That's what she fears. But Miss Temple, the principal, takes her aside one day and asks her for her own version of events. Like, what's your backstory? And Jane tells her about how her evil aunt mistreated her and how she came to Lowood after Mr. Lloyd, the apothecary, suggested it. And Miss Temple writes to Mr. Lloyd to confirm the events. And when he writes back and says they're true, she says, Don't worry, Jane. I'll tell all the other teachers and students that Mr. Brocklehurst was wrong and that no one here will shun you. So she really is the first person to stick up for it. 
That's so mm. good. So things are looking up, but unfortunately things get a little more depressing when uh, there are peaks and troughs here. Oh my God. <laughs> when a, a... I love also that the teacher's been like, listen, Jane, I do need to ask you. I, w- I just need you to be honest. Are you the devil or no? <laughs> yeah. And just be honest with me, now, sweetheart. I just need you yeah. to just be honest. I don't mind what the answer is. I just need the truth. <laughs> and then... If you are the devil, that's all right. You say so. I will need uh, the apothecary to back up your story. Otherwise, I will continue shunning you until I receive yeah. a reply and then I will stop the shun. Yeah, I love that. Well, I am going to obviously um, need to corroborate this story. I'm going to need some evidence. Um, that's baffling. Yeah. This yeah. kid's like 10. 10. It's too much. Uh, too unfortunately, much 10. things do get more depressing when a typhoid outbreak hits the school and half of all the kids die. Sorry about that. Are you fucking kidding yeah. me? Uh, but Jane, Jesus thankfully, Christ. is spared, uh, which we know because she's telling us this story many years later, and she has to spend her days outside with the girls who aren't sick. Helen, remember who's her friend, doesn't get typhoid, but unfortunately does get very sick with tuberculosis, which in many ways is just <laughs> as bad. Oh, my no. God. She's got to spend her days outside with the other girls who aren't sick. That sounds like my weekend, yeah. having little picnics yeah, with yeah. my friends. <laughs> Can't go inside. <laughs> Gotta breathe out here, everybody. Come on, it's fine. Yes, it's eight degrees. It's only a little bit rainy. Have a nice time. Have a picnic. Woo! Put a scarf yeah. on. Shut up. Well, they're doing this in they're doing this in England. So imagine having to be outside there. Tough kids. Well, it's too cold in England. I've been. I've been actually. I have been to England. Is this what? true? What's it like? Yes. It is. A bit chilly, yeah. It's a bit chilly. I was there in the summer, <laughs> but it was still <laughs> still awful. Still, still a bit chilly. A little bit chilly. It was my very a first bit time chilly. in the UK. They were having a, a heat wave, and they were quite concerned about the elderly. And my friend and I that I was travelling with were in jeans and light sweaters. <laughs> yeah. It was it's, not hot. <laughs> I, I love it. My favourite part of August is um, obviously being in Edinburgh Fringe for no other reason other than when the temperature finally hits 20 degrees Celsius, everyone just goes to the meadows and takes their shirts off and starts a barbecue, just an open fire. They're all like, oh, my goodness, you've got to get outside. And it's like raining and overcast, but it's 20 degrees. They're like, oh, my goodness, got to get that vitamin D. <laughs> So lovely. It's very, very nice. It's very nice. So that's that, that's what she's doing. I imagine she's having a barbecue outside with all her friends. It's great. Everyone's yeah. stripping off despite the rain and snow. But uh, Helen, her friend, is kept Hope in she's a... vaxxed. Yeah, yeah. Hope Hel- she is vaxxed because she, she shouldn't be gathering if she's not vaxxed. But that's, that's okay. That's, but, that's neither here nor there. But technically they are for, all from the same household, so it is okay. Is that right? Oh, that's oh, right. true, 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 true. There's just a, a thousand of them from the it's same It's a real house loophole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Helen's in a room on her own because she's got uh, TB, but Jane resolves that she must see her and sneaks in and uh, gets into bed with Helen, whom she realises is dying. And they have this lovely last moments <laughs> together. Helen tells Jane that she's ready to leave the world and is happy to go to heaven. Remember, she's very religious, this young girl. Uh, that night, Helen mm. dies in the bed. And uh, Jane tells the reader that Helen was buried in an unmarked grave, which 15 years later, a grey marble tablet was placed over the top with the Latin word resurgum, which means I shall rise again. So we can only assume that Jane later put it there. Vampire. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Jane 
think she's cool. a vampire. Stay away That's from this one. That's fucking sick. <laughs> that is sick. That's awesome. Didn't they think some tuberculosis had something to do with vampires? We did talk about that on a bit of Do Go On recently. I think I might have actually learned that on your podcast. <laughs> I'm a fan. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but but okay, so Michelle, as a listener, you remembered that. Dave, as a co-host of Do Go On, you remembered that. Jess, as also a co-host of Do Go On, no recollection. <laughs> no recollection. Remember, we couldn't we couldn't work out what, no idea. We couldn't work out what TB stood for. Do you remember that? <laughs> uh, very vaguely. Bit of fun there. Fuck, I, I really thought this podcast Do Go On was going to really. Elevate my intelligence, but I just retain nothing. Yeah, yeah. No, it's worked out for me well because I'll just listen. Yeah, I'll just have a listen to it there. But, um... Maybe I should just listen to it. Yeah, I reckon that's the key. That's the key. <laughs> just listen. Just yeah, don't say anything. Just sit back and listen. And at the end, nice. go. That was quite even interesting. On my, even on my reports. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just gonna sit here in silence, boys. Um, you know, have a good time. Just absorb it. You know what mm. I'm saying. It's not about yeah. that now, is it? It's about book cheat. Come That's on. That's right. So yeah. Come on, guys. Helen is gone. I'm so sorry Helen's gone, but we do know that later on someone put this nice tablet on her tomb, so maybe this story's going to have a good ending after all. That's just a little glimmer of hope Vampire. for us. Vampire. Yes. That's right. The vampire spinoff is Vampire strong. sequel. <laughs> <laughs> Very excited about that. Uh, our narrator addresses us at this point saying that up until now she's detailed every every event from 10 years old to this point, but that she now must skip ahead eight years, which as a reader, I was thinking, thank God, because it's been quite a lot of stories yeah. so far. Uh, <laughs> so, so it jumped eight years in, in, in the future. She's about 18 now. Jane is still at Lowood, which uh, after the typhus outbreak had an investigation into the lack of food and supplies and uh, Mr. Brocklehurst's neglect was discovered and things have since improved. So they've got more money and supplies now. So half the kids died, oh. but the school got a bit better. So, you know, again... Maybe Thanos was right. That, I was going to say Thanos. <laughs> I was going to say Thanos. <laughs> I'm just saying maybe. 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 Strain on the resort. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I'm just saying. I know it's not nice to think about half the people you know being dead, but <laughs> but there's more porridge Maybe for everyone. Make the world a better place. Yeah, and we don't have to burn it now. We don't have to burn it. You can just eat porridge. <laughs> so we're eight years down the track, Jane has finished six years of schooling and excelled to be the top of her class. She's a very smart kid and has worked for two years as a teacher now herself. So she's decided to stay there as a profession. But after her friend and mentor, Miss Temple, marries and moves away, she decides that she needs a change of scenery. She's barely left the world. How fucking old is Miss Temple? Yeah. <laughs> if she was already a teacher when Jane gets there, and now it's eight years later and she's only just getting married, it's like, what's wrong with you that you couldn't get a husband sooner? <laughs> I'm sorry, you didn't get married until you were 24? Yucky, oh my yucky, god, Miss Temple. <laughs> she must be a real uggo. I personally am on my fourth husband, and yeah. I tell you what, they just get better as the years go by. Oh, yeah, That's good yeah, to know. Agreed. Good to know. Mm. Yeah, I'm only on husband number three, but I am a few years younger than Michelle, so <laughs> <laughs> she's closer to death than I am. So okay, okay, we'll discuss that later. Uh... <laughs> 
So she wants to change of scenery. She hasn't left Lowood for eight years, barely gone outside the grounds. She wants to see the world. So she places an ad searching for a job as a governess and gets one reply to teach a girl at a manor called Thornfield Hall. And so Jane goes off there. Okay. She uh, once again throws a grenade behind her, just starts walking. And when she gets there, she realises that the woman who answered her ad, Mrs. Fairfax, isn't the owner of the house, but rather the housekeeper that looks after it. The owner of the house is a guy Mm. called Mr. Rochester, and he's often away on business. He's barely there. Very wealthy guy, Uh. always on the continent, always in the Caribbean. He's all, all over the place, this guy. Classic. Jane finds out her job is to teach a little eight-year-old French girl called Adele. Thankfully, Jane can speak French, so this will work Adele. out nicely. Oh, I'm Adele. <laughs> I'm Adele. I would like to learn. What if Adele Hello, spoke I'm Adele. French? Hello. <laughs> Bonjour, I'm Adele. <laughs> is it me you're looking for? Is it... Um, Je suis Adele. Is it to... Me. Croissant <laughs> Adele. I don't. <laughs> Croissant Adele. <laughs> Celine Dion Adele. <laughs> yeah, it'd be something like that. I love it so much. Uh, I knew that would happen. Oh, I've got a note here to pause for Adele impressions. <laughs> but those ones were particularly offensive. <laughs> yes, very good. Uh, thankfully, Jane speaks Adele slash French, so this is going to work out nicely with this young child. So it's going to be okay. And Phew. It seems like it's it's going to be a nice place to live. It's very comfortable. She's got a nice bedroom. The only weird thing is that pretty soon Jane hears, quote, a curious laugh, distinct, formal, mirthless. So she hears like a, a, a creepy night, a creepy laugh rather in the middle of the night. She's like, what the hell is that? Oh, I hate that. And she asks Mrs. Fairfax, the housekeeper, if she heard it. And she said, oh, it was probably one of the seamstresses, Grace Poole. Mrs. Fairfax then summons Grace and says, Too much noise, Grace. Remember directions. So that's a little bit weird. Oh, okay. Remember directions. Remember directions, yeah. Remember directions. Okay, something weird happened here. Jane settles into her new home quite quickly, but she also becomes a little bit bored. Because remember, she wants to see the world. Now she's stuck in another, another expensive house. She writes, It is in vain to say human beings ought to be satisfied with tranquility. They must have action, and they will make it if they cannot find it. Millions are condemned to a stiller doom than mine, and millions are in silent revolt against their lot. And then she writes, Women are supposed to feel very calm generally, but women feel just as men feel. They need exercise for their faculties, and a field for their efforts, and as much as their brothers do, they suffer from too rigid a restraint, too absolute a stagnation, precisely as men would suffer, and it is narrow-minded in their more privileged fellow creatures to say that they ought to confine themselves to making puddings, and knitting stockings, to playing on the piano, and embroidering bags. That's true, babe. Preach. Yeah, especially the bit about pudding. (laughs) Yeah. There's more to life oh, than making a pudding. Oh, my days as a as a pudding 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 a yeah pudding mistress. Luckily, oh. husband number three is like, "Hey, babe, you only have to make eight puddings a week," <laughs> and I'm like, "Thank you." Eight a week all out on a Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, are you having a, you having a matinee pudding on Sunday? Amazing. Yes, <laughs> double pud. Mm. 
So double put on Sundays. Everyone knows that. Well, you can oh, you can dang. see you can see from that paragraph why some people say this is one of the first feminist novels. Yeah. Mm. So, because a lot of it is about her inner thoughts, and she sort of confesses everything to the reader, what she was thinking at that time, even when she was a child. She's got an amazing memory if it is a real person recalling it. So she's basically she's a bit bored. She's thinking if only something exciting would come along and shake up this story. Well, one night, when out walking with a letter, she's taking a letter for a walk. A man on a horse. <laughs> she should get a dog. <laughs> yeah. Better. It is on the Better. end of a lead. I do have a question, though. I do have a question because I am imagining her just carrying around like a large wooden letter. So which letter is it? Oh, okay. <laughs> X. Oh. <laughs> She's saying, hey, That's world. Saucy. X marks the spot and I'm ready for some fun. Yeah. <laughs> That's what she's saying. Cool. Well, a man. That's what I, I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> she's, she's walking around with this letter, and a man on a horse with a dog rides by, and the horse slips on some ice, and the rider is thrown off. Oh no! And the man's on the ground, and Jane offers his, this man some help, but he sternly says, "I'm fine. I'm, I'm all good." Is the horse okay? Horse is all good. <laughs> D- dog is also okay. fine. Okay, thank God. And the guy's what kind got- of dog is it? It's like a, a, a sheep dog. Like a Murima? Or like a Border Collie? Bo- like what kind of sheep? Border- I'm thinking, What's to be the honest- job? Am I hurting the sheep? Yeah. Am I protecting the sheep? What's the job mm. of the dog? What <laughs> kind of dog job is this so I know what kind of dog to imagine? It is a, a, like a Border Collie. It, to be honest, I am imagining okay. that. That's what I imagine. It's, his name is Pilot. It's a staffy. Yeah, it's a staffy. Oh, you can imagine whatever dog you like. Jess, would you like, what dog do you think Pilot is? I'm imagining a cat, actually. <laughs> so that's that's good imagination. <laughs> yeah, a cat. Can I have an orangutan or no? Yeah, <laughs> no. Yeah. But they must. <laughs> they must herd the sheep. <laughs> yeah, they would. They would. More Michelle, um, quite often on Twitch reviews dogs, mm. and it's just the most wholesome and delightful thing you'll ever watch. I love the but sound. Anytime there's Anytime somebody submits a picture of their cat, she just goes, now this is a good dog. And it makes me laugh every single time. She, she reviews cats like they're dogs and it kills me. It's so funny. Thank you. Such a funny bit. Oh, now this dog, this is a good dog. Very funny. It's all in good fun, isn't it? Because <laughs> it's not a dog, it's a cat. That is cat. good fun. I get it. <laughs> hey book cheaters just dave here letting you know that this week's episode is brought to you by audible the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and it's all in one place at audible you can find the largest selection of audiobooks ranging from bestsellers celebrity memoirs new releases old releases languages business motivation and more And by that, I mean original entertainment from top celebrity creators and thousands of popular and binge-worthy podcasts. If you're an Audible member like me, you get one credit every month good for any title in the premium selection. That means the latest bestseller, buzziest new releases, that kind of thing. Those titles are yours to keep in your Audible library forever. And you also now get access to the Popular Plus catalogue, filled with thousands and thousands of audiobooks, original entertainment, 
guided fitness and meditation, sleep tracks for better rest, and podcasts, including ad-free versions of your favorite shows and exclusive releases. Now, those are included with your membership, so you can download and stream them all you want, no credits needed. And a title that I'd suggest you can find on the Plus catalog is, in fact, Jane Eyre. And as a little experiment this month, I decided to listen to Jane Eyre on Audible. Often I read it as well as listen to uh, parts of it on Audible, but I decided, you know what, I'm just going to listen to it and see how I go, and I absolutely loved it. And a big part of that was the fact that the fantastic actor Tandy Way Newton was reading Jane Eyre to me and giving a fantastic performance, bringing all the characters to life with different voices. Oh man, I absolutely loved it. I cannot recommend that highly enough. If you want to give Audible a go, check out Jane Eyre on the Plus catalogue. So that's my suggestion this month. Now, new members can always try Audible for free for 30 days. And this is how you do it. Go to audible.com slash bookcheat or text bookcheat to 500-500. One more time, if you want to get started, go to audible.com slash bookcheat or text bookcheat to 500-500. Back to the podcast. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. All right, so man down, man falling off horse. He's like, I'm fine. But Jane, she, he's like, leave me, leave me. She won't leave. She wants to make sure this guy's all right. She's got a kind heart. She's clingy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Eventually this man, who is described as having a heavy brow and stern features, looking about 35, uh, accepts her hand and uh, she helps him back onto his horse. And then he's like, all right, thanks okay. for that. I'll, I'll see you later. I've got a sore ankle. I've got Uro. to go. Uro. Mm-hmm. Checks in the mail. <laughs> and uh, she's like, oh, who was that? Who was that dashing man? Even though he's not dashing, he's quite stern. Not a classically stern. handsome man. Uh, Jane returns to Thornfield Hall, her house, and sees the same dog slash cat slash orangutan sitting on the carpet. She's like, Cute. how'd this dog get here? This is weird. She's then told... That's awesome. That their master, Mr. Mr. Edward Rochester, has returned and that he's sprained his ankle on his journey. That's right. She just met the master. Master of the house. <laughs> keeper of the zoo. Ready to relieve a virus or two. Cunning little brain. Regular Voltaire. Thinks he's quite a lover, but there's not much there. Glad to do a friend a favour. Doesn't cost me to be nice. Because nothing comes for nothing, everything has got a little price. Bum, bum, bum. Master of the house. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, well, what about that for chance, though? She's just out walking and she's just saved. Saved the master by accident. What, what are the chances? That's crazy. That is convenient. Uh, yes, it is very convenient storytelling. You're right. <laughs> Jane and her, her little student, Adele, uh, are called to Adele. to meet Mr. Rochester the next night. And uh, Adele demands a present 
And Mr. Rochester asks Jane what she thinks about presents. Give me a present. <laughs> and there is a castle on the cloud. <laughs> oh, I'd like to go there in less sleep. <laughs> Musical stuff to you guys, eh? How about that? How about that? <laughs> less, less sleep. <laughs> That's so stupid. <laughs> what happens in the book? Oh, well. <laughs> Adele's like, give me a present. And then Mr. Rochester's like, Jane, what do you think about presents? And she's like, I don't have much opinion on presents. I didn't really get many. And and he's like, nah, tell us. What do you think about presents? And she's like, I should be obliged to take time, sir, before I give you an answer worthy of your acceptance. A present has many faces to it, has it not? And one should consider all before pronouncing an opinion as to its nature. And he's like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, Shut I, up. What I, do you think of I, presents? I identify with him only. <laughs> yeah. He's got a dog. He's riding a horse. He just wants to get on with everything. I'm fine. Don't worry about it. I just sprained my ankle. I'm just going to go home. Just tell me whether. what do you think about presents. I'm just being polite, to be completely honest. Yeah. I do not care about you. <laughs> but one thing he likes about Jane is that she speaks to him in a way that no one else does. Everyone else sort of parries around the master and she's a bit like, oh, no, I don't know. And so they start to spend a few more evenings together. He keeps calling her in to hang out at night. And at one of the meetings, he asks her if she thinks he is handsome. And she just says, no. Uh, Which (laughs) he kind of finds her answer refreshing, but he's also like, uh, all right, what don't you like about me? Is it my, 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 my head? Is it my eyes? Is it my chin? And she's like, my head. What's wrong? (laughs) Is it my head? Is it my chin? Which one is it? Which one? My head or my chin? And Jane, she starts regretting it. She's like, oh, no, sorry, I answered without thinking. Sorry. No, I didn't mean it. But he's like pretty happy that she's honest. What I meant by Tell me I'm ugly. Is, yeah, big time. (laughs) Oh, my God. Sexy boy. That is a weird head. I mean, a hot head. Love that weird shape. She's negging the master. Yeah, she really Absolute neg. But he's pretty he's pretty blunt too. He tells her what he thinks of her as well. And um he looks at her art. She's a she's loves drawing and he looks at him and he tells her which ones he likes and which ones he thinks are absolute garbage. So they're both very honest with each other. Um Oh cool. <laughs> and Jane says to Mrs. Fairfax, who's known him like his whole life, Oh, he's pretty abrupt and she explains oh, he's had a pretty rough past with his family. He's uh he was an outcast when his father died. His older brother inherited this whole place. And uh, Rochester has only been in charge of this place for nine years since his brother died. So leave him alone, you know. He was cut out of the will. It's been nine years. Get over yeah, it. get over get it, it mate. Get over it. 
God, work through some stuff, people. Jeez, Louise. Well, he does a bit of therapy here. He opens up to Jane about Adele. Adele, the little French girl that lives in the house. Uh, He explains that her mother was a French singer and dancer named Celine, with whom he had an affair. Dion. Yeah. Celine. (laughs) Celine Dion. Dion. (laughs) Mother of Adele. There were nights when the world was so cold. And my body if you don't stop me, I won't stop. Oh, well, thank you, Celine, uh, for, for that. But so Celine was the mother of Adele because uh, he was having an affair with her. But when he found out she was seeing another man, he broke it off with her. Um, but then Celine got pregnant and claimed Rochester was the father, which he denied and still denies. But he's like, all right, I'll take her in. I'll raise her in my house. So that's why Adele lives. Sounds like he's, Even though... he's painting himself as a hero. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty sure she's not mine, but um, yeah, all right. Whatever. But he's not very nice to the kid. He doesn't give her much attention. He doesn't like children, he says. So he's bitter about his family. He's bitter about love. This dude, he's just pretty bitter, to be honest. He's a bitter guy. I hate him. Well, I'm off him. Don't worry. Yeah. More weird stuff happens at the house. One night, Jane can hear noises in the walls, (laughs) and that same eerie laugh rings out. So she gets up to see what's going on, and she sees smoke emanating from Mr. Rochester's room. So she rushes rushes in to find his bed is on fire, with him in it, sound asleep. (gasps) Oh, my goodness. So she throws water on the bed, which puts out the fire and wakes him up. And at first he's like, what are you doing? Are you trying to drown me? And then she's like, no, no, I just saved your life. Oh, my God. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, and he says, all right, thanks so much. Just just stay here for a second. I've just got to go look at something. So he goes up to the third floor of the house and then comes back and goes, no, nah, no, nah, everything's all good now. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you heard a weird laugh, that was probably Grace Poole again. Don't worry about that. Uh, yeah. And if, any, if, if, if you're cool, just don't tell anyone about this tomorrow. Just keep this between you and me, this whole fire in my bed. And it's all a bit sus. Ooh. Very mysterious. That's it's a bit- very mysterious. So something's mm. going on here. Yeah. But Mr. Rochester, he says to Jane, you've saved my life. I have a pleasure in owing you so immense a debt. I cannot say more. Nothing else that is being would have been tolerable to me in the character of creditor for such an obligation. But you, it is different. I feel your benefit is no burden, Jane. And that night, Jane goes to bed and she, she thinks about him. Okay. She thinks about him all night long. So she's like, oh, she's like, what did he say? What, what was he was saying? I can't decipher it. It's just rubbish. <laughs> Absolute nonsense. <laughs> well, she's starting to feel feelings she for this about man. All night. <laughs> she's, she's feeling something for this man. She's like, this is weird. I'm falling in love with my master. Am I? This is, am I? This can't be. Is this love? She has to wonder for a bit because when she wakes up, she finds Rochester has left and he doesn't return for a few weeks. And when he does, he, bring, he brings back a bunch of upper-class friends who stay for a, for a couple, of, couple of weeks of, of a party. And there's rumours that he's to marry fun. one of the women in the party, a woman called Blanche. <gasps> Blanche. Dubois? Yes, Blanche Dubois. And, Huge uh, crossover here. Yeah, that's right. Mm. That's right. Huge. One of the uh, previous so book sheet episodes. Literature. I think I did that. You were on that one episode. for sure. This is wild. I can't Just believe can't this. believe the crossover. It's all coming together. Uh, but we don't like this. It's all coming back to me now, <laughs> Celine Dion. So 
Illuminati confirmed. <laughs> Goodness sake. Come on, guys. Wake up, sheep. <laughs> well, they're beginning a simulation. Mm, mm. The Sims. See, now you get it. <laughs> Rosebud. We don't like this Blanche. No, oh. we, do, we do not like this Blanche. Because she's rude to Jane. She detests governesses. Ugh. So she's really Why? Rude. I detest governesses. I absolutely hate people who look after children. <laughs> oh, I hate them, I do. She talks about... Um, okay. I had a governess and she was always telling me off. I hate them. She's, she's awful. We hate Blanche. When I have children, I'm just <laughs> going to leave them in a paddock. <laughs> what are you talking about? Because God knows I'm not looking after them, but I ain't hiring no governess. I've lost the accent, but... You know. I really loved it. I loved yeah, that thank you. performance. It's thank really you. good. That's a character who comes out in my kitchen a lot. Um, so I, <laughs> I, I, my best characters happen in the kitchen um, okay. when we're making dinner. And that That's one comes cool. out all the time. <laughs> <laughs> what are you like? <laughs> so Blanche has moved in and uh, Jane starts scolding herself for developing feelings and even entertaining the thought that a rich upper class man like Mr Rochester would think twice about her a plain governess she's mm. like stupid 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 of course yeah. he's going to marry a rich and beautiful woman like Blanche of course this is, oh. this is Eponine. This is Eponine's whole thing. You know, yeah. this is on my yeah. own. That's what the... Mm. Uh, Mr. Rochester frequently asked Jane to join his posse every night in the drawing room, though, which is confusing for her. Uh, but Jane is... Join my posse, <laughs> I say. Jane, be a dear and join my posse. <laughs> but she's a bit awkward about it because she's got to, like, hang out in the room and Blanche is rude to her. And But she watches mm. from in the corner of the room... Rochester and Blanche and realises they don't truly love each other. They're marrying each other, one for money and the other for looks. And it makes her sad that they're, it's going to be such a shallow union. Mm. And then a man named Mr. Mason appears one day and Rochester is clearly alarmed by his presence. He turns up. Mason has come from the Caribbean and apparently he's an old friend of Rochester. That night, Jane again is in bed. And uh, Mr. Rochester comes to the door and tells her that... <laughs> I'm sorry. I missed something. I'm just... I wasn't watching the screen. What's happening? <laughs> we were all silent for a second. And Tim poured Eva's food into her bowl and it was really oh, loud. And, but I didn't... Even though I hear that noise every night, I thought that the building was coming. Or maybe there was another earthquake. And so I was like, what's this? And I looked at Jess and she was going, what's this? And I was like, it's in Jess's house too. <laughs> so she can just hear it because we're on a call. <laughs> we do live very close to each other. So if your house is going down, mine probably will as well. And, but then we both tried to just we both tried to quietly laugh so you could yeah. keep going. I appreciate that so much. I I did not pod. hear the noise at all. I did not hear anything. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. It's just it's just the dog being fed. <laughs> That's reasonable. 
That's I hope fine. you can hear it in the recording so you can leave this bit in because it's funny. Yeah, otherwise we sound insane. <laughs> Mr. Rochester asks us not to mention the sound of the dog being. (laughs) (laughs) Something suspicious about that dog being fed. I wonder what it is. (laughs) Oh, please don't edit this. (laughs) I like it a lot. Uh, What were you saying, Dave? You were talking about a a book, I think. Oh, yes. It's called uh, Jane Eyre. Oh, yeah. Do you want me to start from the top? Please. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll read a sentence that no one understood. Here we go. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Blanche. Did, did, what about, did anyone hear about Mr. Mason, this guy who's just rocked up and, and Rochester's yes. freaked yes, out? He's yes, like, yes. what the hell's Mason doing? This is weird. And that night, again, mm-hmm. Jane's in bed, and that's when all the weird stuff happens in the middle of the night. And um, Mr. Rochester yeah. comes knocking on the door and tells her, I need your help upstairs with something. And he takes her upstairs oh, to goodness. find... Mr. Mason, the visitor, is severely injured, having been stabbed and bitten, and is bleeding a lot. What? Yeah. That'll be the orangutan. <laughs> stabbed and bitten. Bitten. Yeah, he's got, he's got bite marks and he's been stabbed. You shouldn't keep a, a, an exotic animal like that. That's, <laughs> that's not an animal that should be kept in an attic. That's an inappropriate. That sh- they should be in the jungle. Yeah, agreed. Firm agreed. I agree. Mm. Oh, so sorry. I don't mind mind the orangutan taking the taking matters into his own hands. And <laughs> yeah, I think Mr. Mr. Mason, Mason probably deserved it. Same. So. Well, Mr. So Rochester says, "I'm going for a ride to get a doctor," and he asks Jane to tend to the wound of Mr. Mason whilst he's gone. But he also makes Mr. Mason promise not to speak to Jane whilst he's gone, not to explain what's happened. And he's like, all right. And J- Jane does what she's told. She, like, wipes his, his wound for, like, three hours. And in the morning, a doctor arrives. And then Mr. Mason is bundled out before any of the servants wake up. And you're like, oh, my what God. What the heck is going on in this story? What is happening? I love mysteries. I love a mystery. Mm. Well, this is something mysterious happening. Now, the next day, she goes for a walk in the garden with Rochester, who tells her a hypothetical story. He says, imagine yourself in a remote foreign land. Conceive that you there commit a capital error, no matter of what nature or from what motives, but one whose consequence must follow you through life and taint all your existence. He's clearly speaking about himself. He's done something in his past that he's like, mm-hmm. imagine, imagine that. Jane's like, what are you talking about? He says, is the wandering and sinful but now rest-seeking repentant man justified in daring the world's opinion in order to attach to him forever this gentle, gracious, genial stranger thereby securing his own peace of mind and regeneration of life and then he says oh my God. will i feel do you think that i'll feel better and be regenerated if i marry blanche oh. so just ask that question what's with all the fucking roundabout way to get there so boring just God. say do you think i should marry blanche yeah. Good. Say, I've made a lot of mistakes. Do you think if I marry the hot woman, I'll forget about <laughs> yeah. him? For Will a bit? I feel yeah. better if I marry this really hot woman? <laughs> Should I buy sports car? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How long will this Porsche make me forget my troubles? Answer. Yeah. <laughs> how long? Am I going to get a good six months? Tell if me so, how long. That's good. That's an investment I'll make. <laughs> toot toot, get in. <laughs> yeah. But before Jane can answer if he should marry Blanche, which of course she thinks he shouldn't. He, he, he rushes off. He gets called away. Then Jane herself is called away for a few weeks when she hears her Aunt Reed, the old evil one from the start of the book, has had a stroke 
and is dying and is asked to see Jane. Oh. She's Who asked cares? to see it. Yeah. Jane literally said, I will never visit you. Fuck off. I yeah. hate you. Yes, for goodness sake. Come on. Oh, is she going to go visit her? Yep. Jane returns Oof. to Gateshead for the first time since leaving as a 10-year-old. Having had Jane zero correspondence this whole time. Her family never wrote her a single letter or visited her once. And when oh she gets God. there, she hears that the household is in a bit of disarray as her evil cousin John, the real prick from the start of the book, has become a problem gambler and gambled away most of the family's fortune. Unfortunately, sounds about care. right. Sounds about right. It's all those lad broke sad. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, bloody hell, they suck you in, don't they? Mm, mm. They're the ones who got they got Marky Mark to do their ads, didn't they? Is that yes. lad brokes? Yeah, I think so, Shaq's on there too. Oh, Goodness. bloody hell! Goodness, the two, Come the, on, big boys. Two. the big two. That's the big two. <laughs> <laughs> you get Shaq and Marky Mark. I'm I'm buying anything. I will buy anything they sell. I'll buy anything. I'll buy an island if they tell me to. I will sell my Aunt Reed. Yeah. Is her first name Reed? I don't know what her... No, that's their surname. I don't know what her first name is. I'm not sure they ever say it. Hi, I'm Reed. Hello, it's me, Reed. (laughs) All right, what, what happens now? Well, she sees Aunt Reed, whom she has since forgiven for her ill treatment. Jane's really mature. Why? She's let it go. She's through her faith, okay. all that sort of stuff. She's actually there to make amends, and she thinks her aunt is the same. She's like, I'm here to forgive you. You've called me, and I'm sure you want to forgive me too. Uh, but Aunt Reed, it turns oh, out... Oh, that's lovely. Uh, aunt Reed still holds contempt for Jane, I'm afraid. <laughs> Oh my god, why is she Why the fuck did she ask her to. Yeah! Well, she's, she's, and she's having a bit of delirium. She realises it's Jane, but she also starts talking about Jane. She says, I've had more trouble with that child than anyone would believe. Such a burden to be left in my hands, and so much annoyance as she calls me, daily and hourly, with her incomprehensible disposition and her sudden starts of temper and her continual, unnatural watching of one's movements. So she sort of. Ranting about Jane, and Jane's like, I forgive you. Jane oh hasn't God. lived there for eight years. Oh, I think it's ten by now. <laughs> ten years. And also, so she's talking about a child, like, being very aware of an adult's movements and moods and 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 being hyper-aware of that. That's, like, yeah, that often happens when a child is in a toxic environment mm. with abusive people. Yes. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, it's so annoying that she's always aware of where I am. Somehow knows what kind of mood I'm in. <laughs> but she is. Sorry, I got too real there, but that's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> but she admits she feels guilty about one thing, and that is that she never passed a letter on to Jane. Oh, she gives okay. her the letter. What? Jane reads the letter, which is from her father's brother, a wealthy wine merchant who lives in Madeira, the Portuguese island, okay. where they make Madeira wine. The letter says that he wishes to adopt Jane. And it's pronounced um, Midori. Oh, Midori. Yeah. Yes, sorry, mm. pardon me. And it is so yummy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the letter says that he wished. Wishes to adopt Jane and leave her his entire fortune. And it's Oh no. It is dated three years ago, but Aunt Reed never sent it out of spite, and even worse, she replied to him saying that Jane Eyre died years ago at the Lowwood School. <gasps> you fucking you dog. piece of shit. <laughs> oh, I know. Like it's an it's 
bad enough to not pass on that letter, which is already just such a dog act. But then to like go one step further and be like, she's dead. Yeah. Your niece is dead. She killed her that off. That is psycho. That's fucked. Okay. All right. And then what? So, oh, so Jane, despite this, this is how nice a person she is. She continues to attempt to make amends with the old woman who pretty much refuses uh, before dying. And just to show emotion, uh, Jane's okay. emotional growth and how nice she is, she stays for a couple of months to help her cousins, who she really dislikes, to arrange the funeral. She it takes a couple of months to arrange the funeral? Well, there's all, and, Why are you staying here? And arrange their inheritance and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, she, she sticks it out. Oh Call God. a funeral home. They do it all. Yeah, white, what white lady. The white... Get them in. What? Yeah. White <laughs> lady, lady in. Goodness sake. Come on. Come on, Jane. Google it. She then returns to Thornfield Hall and is still upset by the thought of Mr. Rochester marrying Blanche. And she now openly admits to us, the readers, that she's in love with him. She's in love with him. Oh, my God. And one midsummer evening, Rochester and Jane go for a walk in the garden and he tells her that he's decided to marry Blanche. Ugh. He's like, clearly, I know when you and Blanche don't get along, so I'm going to send you to... I found you a new position, a new job as a governess in Ireland, if you want that job. And Jane says... Oh, I don't, I don't want to go to Ireland. She expresses distress at the distance between Thornfield and Ireland. And Mr. Mm. Rochester, he baits her a little bit by saying how much he will miss her after getting married, but she'll soon forget about him. She's like, you'll never think about me. And then normally, self-controlled Jane reveals her feelings for him. She said, I'd never forget you in all my life because I love you. Queen's Jane. And now that Rochester is sure that Jane is sincerely in love with him, he proposes marriage to her. Oh, he's tricked her. Good. Yeah, good, yeah, good, yeah, good, yeah, good way to kick it off. Good start. She's like, yeah. good stuff. She's like I'm going to marry someone else. So, oh, you love me. I'm going to marry you. Unless oh, somebody else loves me also. She says, but your bride stands between us. And he says, my bride is here because my equal is here and my likeness. Jane, will you marry me? And she's very sceptical of his sincerity. She's like, what are you talking about? But eventually he convinces her that he's serious and they are to be wed post haste very quickly. Okay, but what about Midori? Oh, so yeah. and at this point, she writes a letter to Uncle John Midori saying, hey, I'm actually alive. And also, I'm getting married to this guy called Rochester. So okay. hopefully we can you know, meet up in the future. Writes the letter. Cool. That's good. And, okay. and, and they start planning the wedding. It all goes well. Everything's set. The only hiccup being that one night, a strange woman sneaks into Jane's room and rips her wedding veil in two while she sleeps. And she wakes up and sees like a, a figure standing over her. She freaks out. As with the previous events, uh, Mr. Rochester apologises and attributes the incident to Grace Poole, that seamstress, and says, oh, the terrifying figure in your room, oh, that must have been part of your imagination in the dark. Don't even worry about that. That's all good. We don't have to worry about that. So she's like, all right. Mm. But again, another mysterious event. Mm. This is a great book. I am enthralled. A lot of of stuff happening, right? And everything comes to a head at the wedding. Everything's set. They're all good to go. They have a very small party. They go to the small church on his property because that's how wealthy he is. He's got his own church. When same, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're they're on the altar. They're about to, you know, the priest is like, uh, "Does anyone have 
any reason why these people shouldn't be wed? And then Mr. Mason, that guy that got bit before, and another man enter. And they say, I've got a reason. The priest is like, what's the reason? And Mr. Rochester's like, oh, don't worry about it. Keep it going. Keep it going. Ignore them. And the priest, the priest is like, uh, no, I'm pretty sure I've got to ask. And he's like, don't worry about it. Just get to the I do bit. Come on. Let's wrap this up. But the priest, oh, no. the priest is like, no, I've, honestly, in all good conscience, I've got to ask them, why shouldn't these people be married? And the man with Mr. Mason explains that Mr. Rochester is already married to Mr. Mason's sister and cannot legally marry <gasps> Jane Eyre. Shit. Oh, my God. Plot twist. Rochester, you absolute fool. You dog. <laughs> <laughs> and is, okay, keep going. So they're on the altar, and this has been announced in front of like their, their small, small amount of oh. guests. And Mr. Rochester is furious, absolutely fuming up there, but he does not deny the charge and explains his version of events. He says that mm. when he was a young man, about 18, he was tricked by his father into marrying a woman named Bertha, who is Mr. Mason's sister. <laughs> I'm Bertha! <laughs> Hello! Does anybody else just imagine like a ship? <laughs> yeah. Toot toot. I'm yeah. Bertha. Oh, Bertha. And this was over in the in the Caribbean. His father, this is Mr. Rochester's father, thought that she was a good match because of her family fortune. No other reason. Mr. Rochester okay. didn't know her before the wedding day and was not told. This is him complaining that Bertha had inherited a congenital condition that steadily sends her into madness. The older she gets, there's nothing they can do about it. Cool. So as their marriage progressed and she uh, went into this madness, he secretly had her taken back to his house in England and now she's locked away and cared for by Grace Poole. But that she... uh... Normal, a normal thing to do (laughs) to a woman. I know, it's really bad. And um, he's like, but sometimes she escapes. Uh, The first time uh, she set fire to my bed and the second time she destroyed your wedding veil and broke into your room. And when Mr. Mason visited that time, she's the one who stabbed him and bit him. That's what that's what happens. Ugh. Explaining all these events. Wow. Yeah. Also, we have to note. Okay, I was expecting some sort of Quasimodo type <laughs> situation. <laughs> well, oh, this is a just got, Quasimodo. I've just got my wife chained up in the attic. All right. Nothing Please feel weird. <laughs> So, can we get this wedding on the go, please? (laughs) Will you still marry me? No, I won't put you in the attic. I've got to tell you, this this, uh, section is also tinged with just a hint of racism from the time as well. Because Bertha is a a Creole woman who grew up in the West Indies. And she's uh, thought to be of mixed race descent and is very much treated like uh, a strange other in the book. She's probably not crazy. She probably just doesn't speak English. (laughs) And they're like, whoa, whoa, she's so crazy. And she's up there being like, can I please? Can I go home? Yeah. I'll kill them for doing this. I'd just like some food, please. (laughs) Oh, she's mad. Come on. Let her out. Good. Do better. Good, that's good. Uh, we also oh. find out that Mr. Mason, he's the one who's Bertha's brother, found out about the marriage via a letter from Jane's uncle, John Eyre, the man in uh, Madeira slash Maduri, 
So it turns out that the two men are acquaintances and Mason had stopped in Madeira on his way back to Jamaica when John received Jane's letter. And um, John's like, John's like, I'm quite sick, so I can't stop them at wedding. Can you go back there and stop the wedding? And Mason's like, no worries. I'll stop the wedding. I got it. Oh. Wow. Okay. And uh, at this point, Mr. Rochester, he apologizes to lying about lying to Jane, but pleads with her that he deserves a second chance at happiness and that he doesn't consider himself married. He's like, I was tricked into that marriage. I deserve to marry for love. She's not a real woman. <laughs> Yucky. She's crazy. And she says, or he says, Jane, will you elope with me anyway? We can travel the world together. You can basically be my wife, even if not in the name of the law. But Jane... She's got a deep connection to God. She explains that despite being madly in love with him, she can't be his mistress. She's like, it's either we get married and obviously we can't, so we're going to have to break up as much as that kills me. Oh, and Mr. Rochester's like, take some time, think about it. But the next day, under the cover of darkness, with almost no money and zero possessions, Jane Eyre leaves. Oh, Jane Eyre. Does she think about helping Bertha or No. <laughs> We're just going to leave Bertha up there. No, no. Never to be spoken about again. Yeah, there is, Don't worry about it. There is no thought for Bertha. Oh, good. That's good. Mm. No worries. Sounds just about checking. right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and honestly, Jane has no idea where she's going. She uses the only money she's got, which is just a few coins, to get a coach to take her as far as it can, and then it drops her off kind of in the middle of nowhere. And worse still... Yeah. Dumb. Her bundle of possessions, which included like a bit of food and water, she accidentally leaves on the coach. So now she's got nothing other than the clothes on her back, and she has no idea where she is. Mm. She's left her phone on the tram. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I understand her. I understand her going. Look, no, I can't marry you, um, and that's obviously upsetting. But like, you had a room and a roof over your head, and he, he didn't say, you get out of here. He was like, yeah. take some time, have a think about it. So why not do that? Why not take some time, have a think about your next move, and um, and uh, plan it and not just end up in the middle of nowhere? I'd go to Midori if I was her. Yeah, big time. Yeah, go hang out with your And I'd wealthy take uncle. money from my very wealthy former fiancé. Sounds like a sunny place. They've ne- she's probably never seen sun in her entire life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. That's what I assume about people who grow up in the English countryside. I'm always like, oh, they're going to love it when they see sun. They're going to love it. <laughs> it's going to blow their mind. Awesome. Imagine <laughs> if we showed them a beach. Because they, yeah, their movies are always, it's always raining. So I just assume. <laughs> they've never brain, seen sun. They've never seen it. <laughs> Never, but they'd ever. love it if they did. Oh, she, bloody hell. She gets there, she's oh. like, oh, what's that thing in the sky? It's just a bowl of fire. Oh, why is ah. it, it's just floating there. <laughs> why is my face warm? Ah. <laughs> <What>? ah. <laughs> so, I mean, desperate times call for desperate, desperate measures. She unsuccessfully attempts to trade her handkerchief and gloves for food at a bakery. And they say, I'm not oh. taking that. Exhausted. No, money only. Yeah, she, yeah. Did you see the sign? Cash only. Do you think we accept gloves here? I'm, I'm sorry. Are we in the medieval times? You think I'm just going to trade with you? No. I've got bills to pay. Money or no bread for you. I think the response from the baker is literally, what am I meant to do with that? 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Wear them. So par- paraphrasing, but yeah. <laughs> so now exhausted and starving, she wanders around and sleeps in the moor at night, out <laughs> out in the open, which is good for one night oh my God. when it doesn't rain. But she knows without food and shelter, she will soon die. And basically, it starts pouring with rain and she, the next night she's about to lie down and just accept that she's going to die when she sees mm. a light on in a house at some distance and she trudges through the moor and spies on the women inside she's like oh these these people look friendly so eventually she knocks on the door and asks hi can i have some food and water and the housekeeper says go away we don't accept beggars here and she Oh. trudges back off into the dust into the darkness basically like all right that was my shot i'm gonna die now but the man of the house sinjin stops her because he gets home at the exact same time and says no come inside so he's basically saved jane Eyre at this point okay and she goes in and she, i still don't tr- i don't trust you don't him. trust this guy Jess and mm. i have the same suspicious <laughs> look on our faces <laughs> but no nah, never go inside but she has not had the best luck with men. So, no. yeah. Well, let's see what this hero has to offer. <laughs> Luckily, this is <laughs> this is a one of the few good men. Well, good moments from a man, I should say. Probably not a good man. She goes in and sleeps for the next few days and slowly recovers, being cared for by the man Sinjin and his two sisters, Diana and Mary. Well, that's nice. She tells them that her name is Jane, but makes up a last name and won't give any details of her past. They're like, "Where have you come from?" What were you doing out there? But she's like, no, please, no questions. I'm too weak to answer. They're like, all right. Mm. But despite this, the family really warmed to her and she gets on especially well with the sisters, Diana and Mary. Uh, Sinjin, turns out he's a clergyman. He's a local priest who, uh, you know, wanted to keep her alive, but he's quite aloof. He's not unkind, but he's not cold. He's quite cold and distant. Not as friendly as the sisters. And the sisters work as governesses. The family used to be rich, but their uncle... John led their father into a bad business deal and they lost their entire fortune. So now they've got to work for their money. Mm-hmm. Sinjin Sounds tough. tells his sisters that he's there to tell them that Uncle John has died and left them nothing, which they're surprised about. They thought they were going to get a lot in the will uh, because all his money went to another unknown relative. They're like, huh, oh, we got left out again? This is awful. And Jane says, all I need is a job. That's all I ask. Can you find me a job? I'll do anything. I'll literally do any type of work. And Sinjin gets her a job as a teacher at the local charity school. And she's happy to work. Mm-hmm. She's happy, to, but she feels a bit unfulfilled by the work. They're not the greatest students. And Sinjin has a conversation with her about that. He's like, oh, I once too felt like that, but I've decided I'm going to become a missionary and live in India, dedicating my life to God. Maybe you'll find your calling one day, Jane, he says. But Jane... She's not having the best time because she still thinks of her beloved Mr. Rochester and she's plagued by nightmares about him so much so that she writes a letter to the house to see how he's going, but she receives no reply, which makes her feel very anxious. Mm. Oh, she's been left on red. Yeah, <laughs> a letter left on red. <laughs> Imagine. Oh, I hate that. She gets a letter back, it says scene. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it says. Seen at 4.16pm oh, I'm sure he'll be writing Brutal. back any day now Okay <laughs> He's probably just busy <laughs> He's probably like Recording a podcast or something I don't know <laughs> Something important, right? <laughs> well World's 
collide one day when Sinjin comes over and he tells Jane about a story he's just heard. He tells Jane, Uh-oh. Oh, I've heard this story about an orphan girl who became the governess at Thornfield Hall. Have you ever heard of that place? Mm. Then she disappeared after nearly marrying a guy called Edward Rochester. This go- Oh, Edward was his first name. Okay. And he says this runaway governess's name is Jane Eyre. Remember, she's never revealed her name to Sinjin. He's like, he continues mm-hmm. and says, I've actually received a letter from my solicitor called Mr. Briggs uh, asking me about something extremely important, saying that he needs to find this girl, Jane Eyre. Jane is only interested in whether this lawyer has sent news of Rochester because she's like, oh, have you heard anything about that guy? Have you heard anything about that guy? But, mm. but Sinjin's like, don't worry about that guy. That's not the issue. The issue is that Jane Eyre <laughs> must be found because her uncle John Eyre has died, giving her the vast fortune of 20,000 pounds. <gasps> it's their uncle John. Well, she admits, yes, I'm Jane Eyre. And he's like, she's like, how did you know that I'm Jane Eyre? And he says, oh, I saw one of your drawings in the corner. You'd signed it, Jane Eyre. So that was the giveaway. Mm, classic, she wrote it down. Yeah. Just as bad as saying it. <laughs> That'll do <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> if you're with people who can read and write, you're in trubs. Yeah. And Michelle, you've absolutely called it. He's like, all right, well, I was sent the letter by that lawyer because I also am related to Uncle John Eyre. That's the same Uncle John who had a bad mm. business deal with my dad and cost us our fortune. My name is Sinjin Eyre Rivers. Ooh, toot toot. Okay. And now is he going to be bad? Well, with- or is it going to be... Good. Well, Jane is absolutely... I'd like to know what happens next. <laughs> <laughs> but I will not allow you to speak. <laughs> I would like to keep talking. <laughs> How about you just guess until the end? <laughs> uh, well, Jane's actually absolutely overcome with joy at this bombshell because it means she's actually found some real family for the first time in her entire life. Yeah. And she says... That's nice. 20,000 pounds, no worries. Let's divide that four ways with me... Sinjin and your two sisters. And he's like, Great job. No, don't, don't do, think about it. She's like, I don't have to think about it. You're my only family. You took me in, I would have died if it wasn't for you. And I'm going to split my money with you. Oh, that's, so that's lovely. So that's quite nice. That's the right thing to do. If not a massive yeah. coincidence, but still very, very good for the story. <laughs> yeah, very convenient for the story. Yeah. Pretty unlikely. Yeah, but out of all the houses she wanders <laughs> into, out of all the bars. Then again, if that had happened, you would bloody write a book about it, wouldn't you? Because that's, that's the thing. crazy. That's... Tra- yeah, yes. yeah, exactly. It's at that point she thought, I've got to write this down. This is wild. Yeah. <laughs> what a life I've had, she said. <laughs> she exclaimed. <laughs> well, it's not quite over. We are getting there. But over time, Sinjin grows closer to Jane. He's not super nice to her. And he, to be honest, he becomes rather controlling of her, becomes a bit obsessive. Oh, good. That's that's good. He asked yeah. he asked her to practice cool. Hindustani. This is the language that he says I'll have to speak on my missionary work in India. Eventually, he says, I'm going to go to India. I want you to come with me as my wife. Let's no, let's you. be missionaries together. And she she's like, okay, I'll go to India and dedicate my life to God, but I will not marry you because we are not in love. That is, that's not what I want to do. But he's like, no. And, and because we're related. Yeah, also, as well. we just found out we're cousins. <laughs> but he. That would probably be my first point I would make, to be honest. I don't think it mattered as much back then. Yeah. 
Everyone was cousins back then. Yeah. Yeah, everyone. There was, was only cousins. six people. <laughs> you got to marry someone. But he harshly insists that she marry him. She's like, he's like, you can't, we can't go over there unless we're married. She's like, we could just go there and work together. He's like, no, we have to be married. Declaring that to refuse his proposal is the same as to deny the Christian faith. And over the next week... Oh, that's... Yeah, really, I really dislike this guy. Over the next week, he continues... A priest tried to do that to Bree on Desperate Housewives. <gasps> really? So, yeah, in season, season six, I think. Season five or six, yeah. Did you read about that in the subtitles? Yeah. Wow. I did, yeah. Yeah, I was blow-drying my hair at the time. Still, yeah. still got the gist. <laughs> yeah, I got the general gist, yes. <laughs> so Sinjin, over the next week, he continues to pressure Jane to marry him. She resists, and even his sisters tell Jane she'd be a fool to go to India with him. <laughs> oh, okay, great. I thought that, were, I thought that sentence was going to be, even his sisters were like, what are you doing? He's a catch. <laughs> <laughs> you should marry him. I know he's your cousin. That's sort of forbidden. Isn't that sexy? <laughs> if you don't marry him, one of us will. Yeah. Hey, more man for us. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so even they who like him are like, don't do that. Sinjin then starts, yeah. he, she, he starts to pray for Jane and she's overcome with awe at his power of speech and his influence. And she even starts to think, gosh, maybe it is the right thing to marry him. Maybe I should do that. But just no. as she is about to consider this, she hears Mr. Rochester's voice in her mind calling out, Jane, Jane, Jane. To which she openly stands up and says, I am coming, <laughs> which is funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's how powerful I his effect is. Well. <laughs> and funnily enough, it usually works for me as well when someone just says, Jane, <laughs> Jane. <laughs> I'm like, I'm coming. <laughs> she cries out, I'm coming. Wait for me. Oh, I will come. This is from the book. I flew to the door and looked into the passage. It was dark. I ran out into the garden. It was void. Where are you? I exclaimed. So she just yells out into the darkness, but she doesn't hear anything back, obviously. But she's having a moment. But with that, Sinjin's spell over her is broken and feeling something might have happened to her beloved Mr. Rochester, she immediately returns home to Thornfield. But when she gets there... Mm -hmm. How? I don't care. Oh, yeah, she gets into a, a horse and cart and goes away. But when she gets cool. there, her hopes are crushed because the mansion uh, is a blackened mess. It has clearly been set what? on fire and the whole roof has caved in. No one's living Queen, there. Queen, yes, get it, Bertha. No Good one's living there. Good job, yes. So she goes to the Escape local... with the orangutan. <laughs> well, she goes to the local tavern and asks the owner what happened and he explains that Bertha got out of the room that she was locked in and set the house ablaze... Queen. Several months earlier. Get it. The guy says, Rochester saved his servants and tried to save his wife, Bertha, but she jumped from the roof as the fire raged around her and she died when she hit the ground. (gasps) Oh, no. In the fire, Rochester lost... Oh, no. What? (laughs) Well, it's going to be that, like, well, he's not technically married anymore (laughs) because she's dead. So I guess, I guess... Everything works out for Jane. <laughs> well, before she it can work out there, we, he learnt, she learns that in the fire, Rochester lost a hand and went blind when a, a massive log fell on him and burnt around his face. He has since taken up oh. residence in a house 
called Fern Dean, lo- located deep in the forest, and he's only got two servants, John and Mary, who are these people that have known him his whole life, and they just care for him. But what's, apparently he's in a what's pretty, happened to Adele? Pretty bad way. Yeah, where the fuck is Adele? Where's Adele? <laughs> oh, we'll mention her. We'll mention her. Um, okay. This is the longest book in the world. Oh my! Honestly, it's, it's like <laughs> 700, 800 pages. It took me forever. It took me forever. Jesus so Louise. But we're nearly there. This is the final part because Jane wastes no time. She goes to see her beloved Mr. Rochester. He cannot see. And at first hearing her voice, he thinks she's a figment of his imagination. But she assures him mm. she's real. He is, he is worried that she can never accept him in his current condition. And he asks, am I hideous, Jane? And she says, very, sir. You always were, you know. <laughs> <laughs> She's amazing. I always told She's you. The best flirt. Told you you're ugly this whole book. <laughs> this whole book. I've been I've very, been telling o- you. I've been very honest about it. You are ugly. <laughs> she promises she will never leave him, and he again proposes. And this time they are allowed to be wed, as you suggest. The loophole of the first wife dying. <laughs> yeah. In a horrific fire. Yeah. <laughs> he also tells her at midnight earlier in the week he'd called out to her. As I exclaimed, Jane, 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 a voice, I cannot tell whence this voice came, but I know whose voice it was, replied, I am coming, (laughs) wait for me. (laughs) And a moment later, went whispering on the wind the words, where are you? Uh, Jane tells him that this was the exact same time that she heard his voice, but she decides not to tell him. Wow. She doesn't want to freak him out. Oh, yeah. But You are never going to believe this. But I, yeah, I, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> that was me. I just stood up. I was talking to this other guy. I just stood up and I was like, I'm coming. And everyone was like, I'm what going. are you talking about? But yeah, that was me. And, and then, then I came here. And the other guy was like, oh, so you are coming to India with me to be my wife. Where's she going? She's out the door. <laughs> it was very Is confusing. she on her way to India? <laughs> I guess she had to be there. <laughs> so so the, two got, the two got married after that. She also says, Rita... You don't think that I'd forgotten our little Adele, do you? She even says that. <laughs> and she says that... It, yeah, babe, I think you did, and then... Yeah, I think, like, oh. I think everybody forgot... I think everyone forgets Adele. <laughs> well, Adele, she says... When, poor kid. She's won Grammys. <laughs> <laughs> it was character building for yeah. her, yeah. Well, she says Adele <laughs> went to school and uh, became a fine young woman, recording her first album at the age of 18. Another one at 21. <laughs> and a third and final possible album at 24. <laughs> <laughs> well, well congrats <laughs> she says Adele Adele became a fine young woman and she writes I've now been married 10 years I know what it is to live entirely for and with what I love best on earth speaking about Mr Rochester uh, Mr Rochester regained some sight in one eye after two years meaning he was able to see their first like Carlos on Desperate Housewives what you're kidding oh. me <laughs> yeah yep that's so, cool. Yep, it is. Uh, Mr. Rochester gained his sight just in time to see their first child born, who was a boy, she writes. Oh, my God, Carlos saw his children. <laughs> no. That's crazy. Uh, That's yes. nuts. Well, this work is out of copyright, crazy. so they could have easily just taken that plot line and just put it in. <laughs> well, this isn't in copyright, is it? Oh, I'm trying to write a comedy festival show for next year. Well, wow. <laughs> honestly. <laughs> Do Jane Eyre. <laughs> Jane Eyre live. Jane Eyre. Jane Eyre the musical. 
right. We've already written one of the songs. I've already forgotten <laughs> it, but we wrote it. So Jesus is in the bin. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Well, <laughs> speaking of Jesus, finally, she writes of her cousin, Sinjin, who went to India and writes her letters but never acknowledged her marriage to Mr. Rochester. They talk about other things. Yeah. Uh, he, he... <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I say about my uncle. <laughs> oh, we just talk about other yeah. We just don't talk about, you know, climate change or yeah. human rights or anything. We just, we just talk about other things. You know, we get through yeah. Christmas. <laughs> yeah. We talk about nothing of importance. <laughs> you gotta get, you gotta do it. Uh, she writes that since my uncle didn't try to marry me, <laughs> yeah. I just want to be clear. Okay. Oh, okay, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, just to just to back him up there, he didn't do that. So good on him. <laughs> She, she writes that Sinjin's last letter included a premonition of his own death, but she knows when he dies, he will have no fear in his heart, because the final words of the book are Jane quoting Sinjin's letter to her. It says. My master, he says, has forewarned me. Daily he announces more distinctly. Surely I come quickly, and hourly I more eagerly respond. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. The end. Mm. Wow. Very religious. So, That's a great, what a great book. So it is quite a religious book, absolutely. Mm. But... Michelle, you seem to be a fan of it. How, do you, how are you feeling about it? It's, it's quite an epic, as you can see. It does span. It is an epic. Quite a long part of her life. Yeah, it's a really fun story. It's, well, it's not fun, but it's you know, it's very. I was on the edge of my seat. Yes, it's very I'm interesting, much, isn't I've, it? I've, I've got to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was very interesting. I was like, "What happens next?" Um, yeah, I liked it. I quite liked it. It was good. I. Uh... I don't necessarily identify with all the religious um, undertones, but I do really like it. It's a nice story. Great. Jess, how, how are you feeling about it so far? Yeah, it's not one that I'd read or, or knew anything about. Um, a lot of twists and turns. A mm. lot happens. Like, they really pack a lot into a very long book. Um <laughs> <laughs> like, but I'm glad I don't have to read it because it just seems like the way stuff is written back then is confusing, and I'm a bit dumb. Um, but I really do like, I do like that story. That was a bit wild. Yeah, yeah it's it really, a great story. It really surprised me. There's also parts of her sister's book, Wuthering Heights, where like it suddenly becomes a ghost story for a part, and I was like, oh my god. Both of them, I must, I must say, I really like Jane Austen as well, which I recently did Pride and Prejudice, but I. I stupidly presumed that both of their stories were like in that vein just like quite fun mm. romantic stories and this is uh, a famously a famous romance novel but it's so much other stuff happens in it there's lots of yeah. darkness and like lots of reveals and it's yeah so i really i wrote it off as as being something that it definitely isn't so that was cool <laughs> cool mm. to discover yeah <laughs> And yeah. Jane is such a such a good character. Oh, she's awesome! In I, that, like, yeah. like literally a good person, it, despite yeah. a terrible upbringing and and toxic people around her. She's like, she's got a really good head on her shoulders, and she's good. To totally, people. and I love yeah, her. Jane at, rules. I love her at all stages. Like, I love her when she's ten and telling her aunt to go fuck herself. I love that. It's like yes, but then yeah. I also. When she's like 20 telling her aunt, I forgive you. I'm like, oh, God, you're a good person. I would never be able to do that. Yeah, you're awesome. So I like her at both yeah, we're and then she's, stages. She's just so content and happy at the end. She's sort of like, oh, you know, I've got the thing I care about the most. How good's this? 
It's so yeah. nice. All she ever wanted was love. Now yes. she's got yeah. someone who loves her. Loves her for who she is. That's nice. Mm. And it, even the way that he refers to her as an equal is nice. Mm. And I think that also has like that lends into the sort of it being called an early feminist work is that he, he values her for being, you know, somebody who stands up to him or is honest with him. Yes. He sees her as an equal. That's so refreshing. And totally stands up yeah. for her own beliefs that when she's like, I could have easily become his mistress, but I would have known that I'm betraying what I hold most, which is I want to be true to my yeah. religion. And I, I just can't be that. And it, mm, it kind of yeah. almost kills That's her. Amazing. Like she nearly dies out there in the in the in the heat. Yeah. And then yeah, doesn't even crazy. think about like it's not, it's not even anything. She hesitates to split the money with these cousins she's just met. Who like her reasoning is fair. You know they saved her, and and she's like I would have died without you. Like it's the least I could do. But doesn't even cross her mind to be like I'll give you like I don't know a bit. She's just like oh yeah. we'll split it. No problem. Of course. Yeah, like it's yeah. she's such a good person. It's very nice. It's a nice mm. story. Thanks for reading that story to us. No worries. I mean, the, the the horrible part of the story is looking back in the way that Bertha is sort of betrayed. But a couple of people that suggested it, yeah. one person did suggest mm. that there's a novel written in 1966 by Dominican-British author Jean Rhys. It's called Wide Sargasso Sea, and they wrote that book from the perspective of Bertha. I haven't read that, but it apparently was critically acclaimed. Oh, that's and great. It's sort of like a prequel sort of they're imagining the story from yeah. her side of things. So, yeah, I'd be interested in checking that out too. How oh, interesting. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, Bertha, uh, it's not nice. Bertha, yeah, Bertha does not win, unfortunately. Bertha is not treated all that no. well. No. But Jane is so nice. Yes, we love Jane. We love Jane. <laughs> Let's focus on Jane. Isn't Jane nice, though? <laughs> Isn't Jane nice? <laughs> We don't talk about Bertha. We talk about other things. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about Bertha. I'm pop- don't worry about <laughs> don't Jane. Look, don't look over there. Don't, don't look, look over at there. Bertha. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, really, there's only one thing left to do, and that is to give it a score out of five. As you heard it here today, I think I'm feeling some positive reactions from you, but I don't want to put any numbers in anyone's mm-hmm. uh, minds or mouths. I've got a score here. Uh, Michelle, any ideas of what you, what you give that story out of five? As a story, I think I will give that four. Out of five. Four out of five. Nice one. Hmm. I worry about Bertha. Um, mm. And I don't like that it's set somewhere quite so rainy. But apart <laughs> from that, I really like yeah, the okay. story. Less rain. Four stars. <laughs> I like, yeah, too, too cold. <laughs> I think if I had read it, um, I would rate it lower because it would have Same. confused and frustrated me. <laughs> But your retelling of it, though, and just as a story, also a four. Yeah. Thank mm. you very, very much. I'm going to give it a... I think I'm going to give it a four and a half out of five. Because, yes, I did find it very entertaining. As a story, a lot happened Surprising. in it. And I, yeah, there's always, yeah. At the end of such a long story, you go... You, you close it off and look back and go, Huh, wow, that was really imaginative. <laughs> I'm so impressed by that. Yeah. yeah. It was good fun. Mm. So yes, it's a very high rating. It's a very high rating one, and no wonder it is considered a classic of English literature. There you go. Mm. Mm. Just great, nice, fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining me to talk about Jane Eyre. Really appreciate that. Apart from uh, Jane Eyre the musical, Michelle, have you got any gigs or anything else coming up? I know it's a bit of an uncertain time, but <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, in um, 
November, probably more likely December. Um, I will have I will be touring Average Bear, my award winning show in Melbourne and Sydney, and then probably next year in the other states once they open up to dirty scum like us. <laughs> That's right. um, but yeah, just keep an eye on my little Instagram, I guess. Yeah, nice one. I'll link to Michelle's Instagram. And if you haven't seen uh, Average Bear, it is an absolutely outstanding show. Fantastic stuff. I, I hope to see it again. I really, really loved it. Oh, yeah. Thanks. I was crying by the first song. <laughs> I'm so um, <laughs> The first song isn't sad. I was just no. so proud. <laughs> Thanks, Jess. Genuinely just like, there's my friend. <laughs> oh, I Look would like go. to plug <laughs> I'd like to plug um Dave if it's okay. Uh that uh I, I am uh, planning on bullying my way onto my friend's podcast to do a report about the Fast and Furious. <laughs> now it's called Do Go On. <laughs> mm, mm. <laughs> so please look out for that. <laughs> Yeah, I forgot to tell you, Dave, um, Michelle messaged me that um, a little while ago and I was like, yes, once lockdown's over and we're back in the studio, 100% thinking lockdown would be a few weeks. Um, (laughs) It's been so long. It's been six years, yeah. 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 There's been three more Fast Furiouses. (laughs) (laughs) So much faster, much, much furious. I would absolutely love that. Love to hear about that. So, <laughs> I've got to get watching yeah. too because I've only seen I've only seen maybe one, two, seven, or some random thing like that. I've got to watch them in order. <laughs> I know I've funny. definitely seen Tokyo Drift. Yeah. Oh, that's see, that's not <coughs> Tokyo Drift sucks. Yeah. No, that's all right. I've got a lot to say about Tokyo Drift. Not now. <laughs> Don't ruin Jane Eyre with a rant about Tokyo Drift. Save it. Well, they're the same story. I mean, I don't want to get into it. <laughs> it's based on Jane Eyre. <laughs> Jess Perkins, of course, we can hear you on that podcast. Do go on. We've got our Blockbuster Tober uh, this month, which is our most requested topics back to back. Big, mm. big topics that people have been wanting us to do for many, many years. So. Check those ones out. Really excited about that. And your other podcast, Simply The Jest. Yeah, that's right. It is a segment we do on Triple J um, on Wednesdays where I I set a topic and the people of Australia tell us their weird and disgusting and hilarious stories. Um, (laughs) And then we turn that into a podcast and it's a lot of fun. It's very silly. Um, I said, I don't know, I said this on a different podcast recently. I was like, I just always... The, the, the way I work best is when I'm with um, two straight dudes. Um, so <laughs> I'm always a token woman with a couple of straight dudes. And, um, uh, yeah, so it's just that again, just <laughs> two different straight dudes. So that's fun. Uh, a rose twin tooth <laughs> Yeah, that's me. I must be the rose. Always the rose. I get two... I get too intimidated if there are other funny women around. <laughs> well, thank God it's just me here. <laughs> a hot girl. <laughs> no sense of humor. No, very dull, but nice to look at. <laughs> That's what they say. Well, on that positive note, we've got to say thank you so much, <laughs> Michelle and Jess, for joining me on Bookcheat this week. Really appreciate your time. But uh, until next time, I will say, as I always do, and that is... Books forever! (laughs) 
<laughs> Thanks, everyone. <laughs> People who look after children. Oh, I hate them, I do. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.